0: church and of our campus in lexington kentucky it is our prayer that as you listen today you will be encouraged challenged and equipped to be all god has for you we invite you to join us for worship on sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m at our todd's road campus near the hamburg area of lexington We don't often read the exclamation points in scripture. So Wesley, I'm thank you, thank you, <laughs> putting the energy behind it. Uh, <laughs> so I consider myself lucky, uh, probably more than lucky. Lucky, I consider myself to be blessed with really great relationships. There are people in my life um, I could give just a handful of names of people that I know that I can call on, that I can rely on, that I can confide in, or um, you know, just generally, just reach out anytime and they'll pick up. In many ways, I feel like myself, I, I'm on this pendulum. Because on one hand, I could spend a lot of a day locked in a room, not seeing the sun and just being on my own, and that would be super life-giving. Super life-giving. And then on the other hand, there are moments when I'm just dying to uh, be with people, that I would be like, pulling out my phone, trying to go through every single contact to try to find like, okay, who's, who's wanting to schedule like a board game night or do something, because I need some interaction. Uh, my wife, Lauren, would probably tell you that I'm probably more on the other end, right, that they're reaching out to people, that I'm the social butterfly of the two of us, and I don't know quite how it happened between this pendulum swinging, but I've, I've been able to find some really good, solid friends, people that, um, I'm just so grateful for it. And three of them were my groomsmen in our wedding. And uh, again, they are people that I can call on whenever. Uh, I can just sit back and text them memes back and forth if I wanted to, right? Like, we'll, we'll spend the whole time going at it. But uh, recently, about a month ago, uh, they, helped up, they helped me out in an incredible way. Back in March, when we had all of the storms coming through, the strong wind, um, part of our deck on our house just broke. (laughs) Uh, Whoever owned the house before us had basically put in on the side of the deck almost like a privacy wall because it's high up, it goes above the fence. Uh, This wall kind of kept I guess the apartments behind us from seeing like who's hanging out on the deck. But so this just completely fell off in the middle of one of those storms and after said storm, I went out and I went to go pick it up and move it, only to realize how heavy a wall made of fencing material actually is. Uh, So it just sat propped up against our our deck for about two months or so, until like end of June. And I reached out to my friends and said, hey, this Saturday, would you all be free? Can you come out? Can you help me uh, basically put in a new railing? And I don't know if you've ever had to install a seven-foot railing, but Four people is maybe a little too much for that. So really, all I had to do was swipe the debit card at Lowe's to purchase the lumber, and they just did the rest. I didn't have to twist their arm to come out and do it. Uh, in fact, afterwards, we had such a great day, and like, there were points where they were saying like, oh, actually, maybe if I like, cut this piece of wood this way and put it here, it would fix this gap that's going on, right, because it's an old deck, pieces are kind of going which way. Um, and so they really just made that project their own, And I sat back and, like, measured spots on the wood for them to cut and said, like, yeah, do that, right? (laughs) Uh, It was a really great opportunity. And so out of gratitude, uh, Lauren and I bought them pizza, we bought some Klondike bars, and that was just our evening. To which one of my uh, quick-on-the-draw friends said, well, now we know what we do for a Klondike bar. Uh, (laughs) And really, the reason I'm telling you this, partially to maybe glimpse forward ahead in the sermon, but also... Last week, Chad left us in a bit of a rough spot, right? Our focus was this idea that we need to groan. We looked at, um, essentially, this whole story of the Book of Romans, that you have these two uh, parties, right, that make the Roman church, that they grew up together, that they were raised together in faith, but eventually the Jewish believers were expelled, and during that time, the Gentile believers kind of got to do things their own way, the way that they... uh, you know, felt accustomed to. And so when the Jewish believers came back into Rome, you suddenly have this conflict. How do we live in unity when our practices differ? When these things that we believe strongly about come into conflict with one another. So Paul spends his letter addressing both parties. Um, Basically, instead of looking at well, you know, this side is saying this, and this side is saying this, and uh, maybe, uh. instead, he's pointing to God the entire time. He points to God's faithfulness. He points to God's generosity and the way that he has paved a way for our righteousness. We reach the climax of sorts in chapter 8, when we, we end with this idea that since we have all been justified by God, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Because of his love, because of his adoption into his family, there's nothing that can separate us. And so chapter 9, which was last week, was this whole idea of Paul kind of saying, we can't be separated, but there are people who are. There are those that my heart breaks for the nation of Israel, not the the Jewish believers, but rather the nation of Israel, the people who had received the promises, who had the ancestors, who had the prophets, who had received the Torah, that in their own rejection of God in the ways that they weren't attentive to what God was doing, that they had missed out on something greater, that they had missed out on the works of Christ. And in that process, They just, they're, they're missing the mark, right? This is what Paul's heart is breaking for. And so we end with this moment of Paul saying, if I could just lay down my faith so that they might have faith, I would. And that was the sermon, right? This idea of how are we groaning? How, how are we being a part of God's own heart? What he is yearning for? that there are those who have not had the chance to see or hear the good news of Christ. Which kind of brings us in today. To me, this is one of probably the most confusing passages of Romans. Uh, You have a very long book where Paul likes to go and have these very long drawn-out sentences that carry a lot of different ideas. But today, Paul is kind of just like loose on the hip with Old Testament references, right? If uh, Jesus quickly summarizes it as, you've heard that it was said, blank, but I tell you the truth, blank. Paul is just like throwing the quotes out directly. There's no heads up. There's no nothing. It's just, here's some stuff from Leviticus. Here's some stuff from Deuteronomy. Here's some stuff from the prophets. And here's my point, right? Um, and so maybe if anything, we can take away this idea that like we all need some more Old Testament study in our lives. But uh, to be honest with you, this, this was a really tough passage for me. The part of me that wants to do a great job and really just like put out the perfect sermon, the the unique and new thing that gets everyone thinking and being like, oh man, yeah, that's that's right. That part of me just stared into a void as I was writing this sermon, trying to think on what to do. Because originally I wanted to talk about uh, potentially salvation, the idea that through most of Romans, Paul is talking about our righteousness. And starting in 9 and 10, he he really begins to focus on the idea of salvation. And so I wanted to be like, oh, well, we're we're saved from our sins, we're saved from the sins of others, and we're saved from death. These things kind of mark what our salvation is, but the way that Paul talks about it, they're they're hand in hand, our righteousness and salvation. If if we're free and no longer bound to and by the evil of this world, we, we are free to walk in Christ's righteousness. We're free to walk in right relationship with humanity and with God. If we wanted, I could have focused on, you know, the things that you and I can't do on our own. Because that's, that's definitely part of what Paul is talking about, the things that you and I can't do on our own. That we can't walk on water on our own. That we can't uh, overcome our fears and our anxieties and all these things that just kind of live in the back of our mind. We can't necessarily do that on our own. And we can't secure our righteousness on our own either. But rather, you know, there, there's someone who makes that possible for us to live in the transformation of the impossible. And so Paul is kind of talking about all of these different things. They're, they're running through this passage, um, and very much, I think, kind of like how Jonathan was saying in our video, right? It's easy to miss the forest for the trees. It's easy, um, to just know that righteousness is important. It's easy to say, we fixed a toilet, we repaired a wall, and that we did all of these good things, and so therefore, yay. But on the same hand, when we, when we look at our lives, if we were to stretch them out as a big pathway, you, you would eventually find those markers, those points where we say, here was the good work, here was the amazing thing, but how much of that leading up was maybe pain that we caused someone else? How, how often on that path are there these moments where we aren't living in this righteous way? And just because we did the good thing doesn't mean that those are gone. But right now, Paul paints this unifying call of good news. Paul says, call upon the name of Jesus Christ. If you've heard of his mighty acts, if you believe in his resurrection, if you believe that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, the recognition that he is Lord, then salvation and his righteousness are yours. That's, that's his message. That salvation in Christ's righteousness is as close to you and I as the air that we breathe. It's as close as the silence surrounding Elijah on that mountain And as much as our instincts tell us that righteousness is about an action, it's Christ who had paved the way. This is our story from page one, that God has done everything for us, that he created us, right? That he brought us into a new land, that he freed us from slavery, that he had given his son for us. It was nothing that we did. It was nothing that we brought about, But rather, from the very beginning, it was his love for us. And this can be hard. (laughs) This can be really hard. Because it's a message so simple that it's easy to forget. If you have grown up in the church, if you uh, were raised in it, or even spent just like the last decade, (laughs) maybe in a Sunday school class. If you were a seminary student, right, going through all the different books uh, and classes and lessons, it's easy to forget about how simple our message really is. It's easy to want to look for that new thing, that new and exciting thing that invigorates us and gives us new faith. But really, when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, we're kind of going along with Eugene Peterson's words that it's a long obedience in the same direction. And there are moments when you kind of begin to realize just how long that same direction is. At the end of the day it doesn't matter what the new and exciting message is if it doesn't start in the idea of believing and confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. One of the things that really has enamored me I think since starting seminary is this idea of new creation right the the messio day that we get to join in the idea that we are a part of god's work redeeming creation that from start to end you see this overarching story about how all things will be transformed and made new and so if it if it came down just to me there's this desire to see the church do radical and amazing things and let's put all of our efforts into it 110% all of our sweat and blood right um, I would find each and every person in here like the perfect task, right? If if someone is great at accounting, great, let's do like financial services for those who need it and let that be a way that we show the love of Christ, right? Uh, I think John Wesley actually would do like business loans, small loans for people to start businesses so that they could then grow and prosper in that. And I'm like, great, let's do it, right? Uh, let's take all of these fun, neat ideas and just do something incredible. But at the end of the day, it's not us doing something incredible that's the important part. At the end of the day, it's our faithfulness and willing to confess Jesus as Lord. That is the source of it all. You don't have to be the best parent, spouse, teacher, employer, employee. You don't have to have the best degree or resume, you don't have to have a tidy house, whatever it may be. The fears that you have, the, the stressors that you have, those are enough. The, the faults that you find in your neighbor, those are covered too. There is nothing that the love of God will not cover, for his grace is sufficient over all of it. believe with your heart and confess with your tongue the resurrected Jesus is Lord. Everyone who does this will be saved. That's it. End of story and no one who does this will be put to shame. That's where our text points us. My personal take on this passage is the idea that Paul is kind of politely just telling the church to get over it. To get over the squabbling and the fighting. This is their unifying call to get over the battles with each other and to remember the incredible gifts that they have been given. This is Paul saying, remember the table that you are invited to and remember that there is still room for more. That there are those who have not gotten to experience this love, that there are those with a zeal but without the knowledge. The way this passage starts in Romans 10 As brothers brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for the Israelites that they might be saved, for I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, that their zeal is not based on knowledge since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness, but Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Church, How many are out there right now with the zeal who are willing to accept the mysteries, who are willing to embrace something that they just want an answer to, but they're missing the ultimate truth of God? How many are out there with this zeal, this desire for something, but because of the fighting of the church, because of maybe hypocrisy in our own lives, we don't reflect this message how many will miss out unless we ourselves are able to go out and share it? Our message isn't one of how to fix your life in 10 easy steps. It's not even a message of, like, hey, go up the mountain or ascend to the depths. Our message is the gentle whisper of love. Our message is the whisper of presence, of a God who is faithful and with, with us through all of it. If you believe, Confess and call out. You will be saved. But how are they to call unless they've heard? And how are they going to hear unless it's preached? And how is it going to be preached unless you are sent? Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that in every turn of our lives, you have been faithful to us. That in moments where it is hard to see, you are there. Your presence is there and your love is there. Lord, forgive us if when we have made all of this about ourselves, about our preferences, and that we have forgotten that there are those who do not know who have not experienced the joy of your salvation. Lord, we, help us to remember. Help us to remember what you have done for us. And let it be a point for us to share with others. We pray this in your son's name.